VIP. One thing that Mike mentioned when he was talking about Jeremiah Trotter there was that he made two Pro Bowls after he left the Eagles. What he didn't mention was is that he made those two Pro Bowls when he came back to the Eagles. He did not make those Pro Bowls with Washington. So just an FYI there. I'm Spike Eskin. NFL draft is tomorrow. We will have an extra seventh round pick. And the man who will explain to us where where that seventh round pick is going to go, Shil Kapadia of Moving the Chains on Philly.com. I didn't prepare you that we were going to talk seventh round pick, though. I was going to say, I didn't look that far in advance. You know, maybe <laughs> up to the third or fourth spike, I can help you out. But you might be on your own when you get that far. Um, before we get to the draft, we, we don't have to talk about the seventh round, I promise. I, you know, the draft has become so crazy, man. And I was, I'm kidding, obviously, about talking about the seventh round. But um, have you, just in the last, it feels like in the last five years, it's gotten, uh, you know, a hundred times more insane. Just the, I guess, the focus and the analysis of of everybody on the NFL draft. Have you noticed the, the change? Absolutely. It's nuts. You know, maybe a few years ago it was kind of whatever Mel Kuyper and Mike Mayock said, you kind of went with it and ran, and now you have uh, 30, 40 different opinions. You can watch video of these guys online, full games if you want to. Uh, people are DVRing games during the season to, to get a get a head start on who the Eagles are going to pick. So you're right. Uh, we do a live chat on philly.com during the draft and that gets as many visitors and as many participants uh, as the games do during the season so it's become huge now how much of these um because there's so many players and it's funny i i hear you know i, I work here at ip every day and i listen to callers calling up saying well we got to get this guy or that guy and i just can't imagine we see very much of these guys how much of this do you follow during the year and then how much of it is just like a cram session for the last month or six weeks going into it yeah, during the year it's so hard because you're following all the NFL stuff and rewatching the Eagles game and trying to get a handle on that. So for me, uh, you know, you, you definitely listen to what the experts say, what the guys you trust say, and then just been trying to watch as much of these guys, especially the first first round, second round guys, as much as I can the past couple of weeks, so that not just regurgitating some other opinions and trying to come up with some on my own how they could fit in with the birds. Now I know you had um, you have a corner. The Eagles going cornerback early. Do you have them? If you had a guess, first round, you were thinking cornerback. It's tough. It's going to be very interesting. Obviously, you have to see how the the picks line up ahead of them. Uh, there are several different positions I think they could address: defensive tackle, uh, defensive end, and cornerback. I would say are probably the three primary ones. But you never know. There are uh, wide receiver, linebacker, safety. They've develop their roster in such a way where they can really take that best player available in most cases. So uh, a lot of names out there, but really there's going to be a lot of options for the Eagle. Talking to Shil Kapadia of Philly.com, Moving the Chains is uh, the name of the column he writes on there. I think this is the first, I think what makes it the most interesting um, as an Eagles fan or just an observer going into this is that Every year coming into this year, there was a position of specific need that I that I felt like the Eagles had. And before Ryan's, before they got Ryan's, it was linebacker. And then they got D'Amico 
Joe Ryan's and you kind of look at the Eagles and, you know, there are places that they could fill in. But aside from safety, which you don't really feel like they'll go in the first round. I know there are a couple of mock drafts that said they'd go there in the first round, but I, I, I wouldn't guess that's where they're going. There's not really a specific um, position of need for the Eagles right now. That's right, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people predicting defensive line. The one popular name is Fletcher Cox from Mississippi State. He's a defensive tackle who would kind of fit that wide nine philosophy uh, on the interior there, can play a couple different positions, rush the passer, an athletic guy, but now it looks like he could definitely be a top-ten pick. So he's a guy the Eagles might have to move up to get, but you mentioned safety. Mark Barron is the, the number one safety from Alabama. Again, he could be someone who even goes maybe just a pick ahead of the Eagles to the Cowboys at number 14. So uh, in those need areas, you're right. There's not one specific area. Uh, Luke Keekley is a linebacker who a lot of people thought the Eagles might target before they signed Ryan. He could still make a move for him, but it would be to play one of those uh, outside positions, eventually move in and replace D'Amico Ryan. So, like I said, a lot of names to keep in mind tomorrow night. Well, and the, I guess the, the most interesting thing about Keekley and, and Ryan's is that um, we're hoping that the reason that Ryan's hasn't performed real well uh, didn't perform well last year and didn't get a lot of snaps was because of the scheme. But I guess we're not going to know until camp and then it may, maybe it, not until the season starts how much of it is um, that he's, you know, he's not the same guy as he was before the injury and how much of it was scheme. So um, I think that's it's interesting that they'll have to go into the draft not really knowing that. You're right. Yeah, that Achilles injury. I mean, I think we'd be kidding ourselves a little bit if we thought he was going to get back to that old form when he was in his prime making Pro Bowls, but he's got to be better than what they had at the position last year. And linebackers changing as a position. You know, everybody here I know wants those big guys who can uh, plug the gaps and stop the run, but these linebackers are being asked to cover the Jimmy Grahams and uh, the very good tight ends in this league, really, even in uh, nickel packages. So a guy like Keekley is attractive because he can stay on the field all three downs. Uh, he's supposed to be very good against the pass in addition to the run, so kind of a well-rounded player. So that's why I'm not ready to rule him out completely quite yet. Um, now, apologies if you mentioned one of these guys before. The two guys that I've seen the names of the that the Eagles, that I've seen popping up recently, are uh, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, who I've seen anywhere from um, like 6th or 7th to, to falling all the way to the Eagles at 15th. Um, Fletcher Cox and Chandler Jones is the other one, the name that I keep seeing popping up. Yeah, I think Cox is someone you mentioned. I think he, he is going to go in that top 10 area. He, he's a guy who can play a lot of different schemes. There's not really a team out there who would pick him and not know what to do with him. So I think he's going to go early. But remember, the Eagles have been aggressive in the past with Jeremy Macklin and with Brandon Graham, and they've got those two second-round picks. One is their own, the other from that Kevin Cobb deal. So they can move up there to seven or eight, uh, really, with just giving up one of those second-round picks and swamping first-round selections also. So if Fletcher Cox is the guy they target, uh, keep an eye on what the Rams do with that number six pick. If they don't take him, the Eagles could make a move, uh, get up there to the Jacksonville Jaguars spot at number seven and take him. And other guy you mentioned, Chandler Jones, he's really been someone who has received a lot of buzz the last couple of weeks. I think Mike Mayock said today, in three years, Chandler Jones is going to be the best defensive player from this draft, and that's someone you probably don't have to trade up to. I think if the Eagles sit at 15, he's someone who they could certainly take defensive end out of Syracuse, and 
I did a comparison on moving the chains this week. His measurables, when you talk about height, uh, length, wingspan, those things, very similar to Jason Pierre-Paul. Stop. I, don't, don't do that. I, I know. I mentioned Brandon Graham and Jason Pierre-Paul already, so I probably went under <laughs> on the over-under there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, has a lot of those qualities. Not saying he's going to be the same player, but I know everybody wants the Eagles to get that big defensive lineman. They don't want want the undersized guy, so... Chandler Jones is a guy who could fit that description. Now, one of the, the most interesting things about the NFL draft is a guy like uh, Jones or a guy like Cox and then um, uh, Tannehill, like these guys that over two weeks where nothing has happened, Tannehill went from, you know, oh, he was top five, he was you know mid to late first round, and then he was top five, and now it feels like he's 10 to 20. And somewhere in my mind, I wouldn't even be surprised if he was there at the end of the first round or the, the top of the second round. What, what goes into guys moving up and down for really no reason at all? Or are yeah. they even moving up and down? Or is it just imaginary that they're moving up and down like that? Yeah, it might just be in our eyes. But I think it's a couple things. One is, you know, during the season, I think a lot of the scouts for the teams do a lot of the work. And now from what you read, it's the coaches kind of get into it. They don't have a time to look at all these guys uh, during the season. So you see them going to pro days or Eagles hosting uh, people at the Novacare Complex, those kinds of things. So it can certainly shape, uh, shape their boards a little bit, although I think you rely on your personnel people. And then when you talk about the draft experts, now they're talking to coaches and general managers and personnel people and finding out maybe what they really think, uh, what they didn't know a couple months ago. So I think that's a little bit of the reason for the movement. But who knows? Then the first round comes around and uh, a team drafts someone no one thought they were going to take. And Mel Kuyper goes crazy, and then we go from there. <laughs> um, quarterback's an interesting position. We've heard it a lot lately. It's, um, you know, Andy Reid. I think Howie Roseman said Andy Reid comes from a, a school where, you, you know, you draft a quarterback every year to see um, to see what's there. But the position has changed and is much more important. Is it worth it for the Eagles to take a quarterback if they're not taking, you know, a first-round type quarterback? Those third-round guys doesn't doesn't seem like you find those Tom Brady-type guys anymore. Yeah, I don't think so, you know, and I've written about this, that certainly it makes sense to try and find Michael Vick's successor, and if you remember, before that RG3 trade, there were rumors here and there that maybe the Eagles were poking around and thinking about uh, making a move there for the number two position, obviously didn't happen, but if you're going to make a move, I think you got to go big with something like that, find someone who you really believe in can be your franchise quarterback after Michael Vick, and like you mentioned, the guys you're going to find in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, sure, you might strike gold once in a while, but chances are you're not going to find that guy. You're going to find someone like Mike Casta, who's already on the roster. And to me, I don't see the sense in bringing in someone like that uh, this year when you've got some other areas you can you can fill there. Um, quick question, I guess, about Asante Samuel. The, the reason that they don't get anything is just because everybody knew they had to get rid of him, right? They, they, they had no bargaining position. Is that pretty much it? That's one, but the other big thing is that this wasn't a classic trade situation because Asante Samuel had to agree to restructure his contract to the team the Eagles dealt him to. So say the Eagles had a trade in place with, uh, and this just hypothetical, the Denver Broncos, or maybe it was a fourth or a fifth-round pick. If Asante Samuel did not agree to the restructuring of his contract with the Broncos that they thought necessary, the trade couldn't go through. So, yes, it was a trade, but really Asante Samuel had all the leverage, was calling the shots, and was able to decide 
where he wanted to go, what was going to be the best situation for him professionally and financially. So I think that combined with what you mentioned uh, led to them only getting a seventh-round pick today. And can you, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can't think of another team. Can you think of a team that has twenty million dollars invested in two cornerbacks? Because that it just doesn't. Whether they have the money, it seems like a misappropriation of funds if that's what they decided to do. It wasn't really an option to keep both Samuel and Asamoah, was it? From a financial perspective, you know what? It, it it wasn't that bad of an option. Now I know everyone's pointing to they want to re-sign Lashawn McCoy. I think they were already something like twelve million dollars under the cap from a financial perspective we've seen the way these guys work how they can clear cap space in different ways and i don't think that would have stopped them from re-signing LaShawn mccoy i think it was a more of a matter of these three guys not fitting last year none of them were able to play inside in that slot cornerback position so to keep samuel awesome and rogers Cromartie, one of them really is going to have to be on the bench and that's not going to be good in terms of ego in terms of team chemistry especially when you consider Rogers Cromartie is entering a final year of his deal, he's going to want to get on the field. We know Asante Samuel's personality. He's not going to want to sit on the bench, and you're obviously not going to put Nandi Asama on the bench after signing him last year. So to me, it was a matter of fit. Uh, wasn't going to happen for this team this year, combined with the salary cap issue you just mentioned. And and I guess you're guessing that they're going cornerback early because what they're left with is Hanson uh, to play that that third cornerback position, that nickel position, and, and that could be upgraded. Even though I thought Hanson was a pretty good, that's, you know, where he plays well. Absolutely. Yeah, Hanson's had a good career for the Eagles, but I think he's going to be 31 at the start of next season. And I really didn't think he had a great year last year. We mentioned the linebacker position changing. That slot of cornerback is a tough position, too. Wes Welker one week, Victor Cruz the other week. You know, you can't just put in your third guy and say, go ahead. You really have to have a talented athlete there. Uh, someone who's a better tackler than they have on the outside. So I'm not sure if they're going to do it in the first round. They could. Um, someone like Stefan Gilmore from South Carolina figures to be a first-round pick, could be there at 15. Uh, there are some guys in the second and third round. One name to keep in mind is uh, Brandon Boykin from the University of Georgia, and he's also a return man, a place the Eagles really struggled with last year. So I do think they're going to take a cornerback first, second, third round. Uh, to try to upgrade from Hanson and also to get some depth there behind Awesome Juan Rogers Cromartie. Well, we all know they're going to take a 30-year-old guard just to make us crazy <laughs> this week. So. I know. I'm working on a post for tomorrow, and i got a category of guys they definitely will not take. So you can pretty much bank on them taking one of, one of the guys, guys I mentioned tomorrow morning. <laughs> or a guy that you didn't have on any of your lists. Wait a minute. Yeah. Who's he? That's um, true, too. Hopefully I'll at least mention somebody that uh, <laughs> is on their radar. Uh, Shil Kapadia, the, the blog is moving the chains on philly.com. You do excellent work, my friend. I thank you for coming on. All right. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Shil. Uh, yeah, that's, man, you can, Eagles will guarantee you that, man. They'll pick somebody you never heard of. Maybe it'll be right. You know, I haven't heard of half the guys anyway. Xfinity voice line is 888-729-9494 if you'd like to take a guess as to where the Eagles are going or talk about the Asani Samuel thing, which I don't think is a particularly big deal. People are freaking out today. I'm good with it. Whatever. Asante Samuel. Bitches too much anyway. I'm Spike Askin. 94 WIP Sports Time is 1117. Sports Radio. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Red Ice. It's
face. And this is going to be ugly. Go Flyers! on Sports Radio. WIP. Hey, I'm Spike Gaskin. As uh, Mark Varzetta just said, the Caps beat the Bruins, so there's still a possibility in the Eastern Conference in the NHL for all top four seeds to be out after the first round. Hockey is crazy, man. Alex Ovechkin has the worst season of his entire career. Somehow, the Caps come in and shock the Bruins. So here's what happened. We're, we're not going to know anything about the Flyers. The Flyers end up playing Saturday or Sunday. Um, they could play at any time on Saturday. There'll be a, a few games on Saturday, a few games on Sunday. So, um, so here's what happens with uh, who the Flyers are going to play. If tomorrow Rangers and Panthers win, Flyers uh, play the Panthers, right? And that's a good matchup. That's kind of what we want, right? Rangers and Devils win. Flyers play the Devils. Flyers get home ice if Rangers and Devils win because Rangers end up playing the Capitals. Remember, they reseed. So the Rangers will play whatever the lowest seed is. Um, Senators and Panthers win. Flyers play the Caps. Panthers play the Senators. And if the Senators and the Devils win, Flyers play the Senators and Devils play the Caps. Wait a minute. So there's no way. There's no way we play the Rangers in the second round, right? So we're good. We're good. So thank you. Thank you, Boston Bruins. Uh, Bill in Westchester, you're on 94 WIP. Thanks for holding on, man. No problem, Spikes. How you doing, brother? I'm great. How are you? I am great. Another day, another day above ground is a good day, my brother. Absolutely. <laughs> um, hey, man, I wanted to say, I wanted to say that I am really excited for tomorrow's draft because the possibilities are endless. I mean, we can go in so many different positions. I can't remember a draft the last time I was so excited to watch a draft for us and. And I, that's the one thing, though, I'm really confused about all the different positions, and I wanted to get your expertise on it. We can go so many positions, uh, D-tackle, safety, corner, or even thinking about getting uh, Tannenhill. I wanted to uh, ask, pick your brain about it. From uh, from your gut, where do you where do you see the Eagles picking at the overall 15th pick? Well, I I don't think they think that way. I think the Look, the vibe I'm getting from 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 you know everything I read and just from looking at at what they have and what they need, mm-hmm. because they don't have any specific area of need. And actually, when they even when they do have a specific specific area of need, they don't always draft there with the first pick. I don't think it's about right. the first pick. I think it's about the first few rounds. And I think right. they want to come out with something the first few rounds. I think that first pick, um, they probably have like Shiel was just saying, they probably have a couple of guys that is. If um, if are are still there a little bit later than they should be, they'll use one of those second round picks uh, to move up and get right. one of those guys. But I think if they're just sitting there at 15, I don't think they go position. I I just think they go whoever the best guy is. I I don't see the Tannehill thing. I think that's a pipe dream. I I don't. Right. Yeah. I I mean they didn't even send. It's not even like Reed went out there to go see him or Roseman went to, out there to go see him. They sent Doug Peterson out there to go see him, right? Right. Um. So I don't. You know that doesn't seem like a. Now maybe that's a smokescreen. Maybe they purposely spend send Peterson out there rather than Roseman and Reed just to get everybody off the scent. Remember. Well- other crazy thing is that everything we read and everything we hear uh-huh. about what the teams are interested in are right. all—it's all BS. It's all smoke screens to, right. you know, to send other teams off the the scent. So I don't know. Where, where do you feel like they're going? In this in this position, taking a particular position, I mean, you, in my in my opinion, I mean, for what take it for what it's worth, you're either going to have to go D tackle 
or uh, Stacy, if you can some, I would love to get uh, Mark Barron out of there uh, from Bama because if you, uh, I believe that if you get a, a kid like him uh, coming in and uh, learning this defense up, I think he would just be a great attribute in the secondary to go with a goes. Excuse me, to go with Osamoa and uh, DRC. And the fact that we don't have Asante, I think, is the biggest blessing in disguise. I've listened to some of your guys talking. Uh, the one caller uh, before you got uh, talk on the expert that you were speaking with, yeah, I, I think he was totally off base. I mean, when you you got rid of a guy that really did not want to be here, he didn't want to be here anymore. He wanted to go for the best spot. He wanted to go where the money was at, and it was not here. We and the fact that we've got uh, non Miyazawa and uh, and Dominic Waters come Marty. He's, the possibilities are endless now, and you don't have. Then there's no dissension anymore. Once you let him go. You now can basically just have a deep sigh of relief because now the, the secondary is absolutely open for all of these possibilities. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. With you. The thing about Samuel, and look, I, he, I don't think he tore the – it's not like he tore the, the team apart or anything, but when the no. team was going bad last year and he's complaining about the, the front office playing fantasy football, yeah, we, football, football. We, 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 we don't need that. We, like, no. we just – we don't need it. And we had – it's like – it's it's an interesting thing because I said earlier it's like if you had Prince Fielder and Albert Pujols like uh -huh. you don't need they had one too many of the same position and it doesn't right. matter how great they are um, and I think uh, and it does put them in an interesting position now that they rid themselves of that salary and like Shield said DRC is a free agent is done after this year you don't owe him anything after this year and you're just playing him one point two this year it does it allows you a lot of flexibility and I'll tell you you mentioned Barron the thing about him is that, you know I don't watch a ton of college football but he played in the SEC so you know if you're a good player in the SEC if you're a good defensive player in the SEC that probably means you can play um so exactly you know as opposed to uh another guy we're talking about chandler jones and look i went to syracuse mm -hmm. but if you're playing defensive end on syracuse you're certainly not playing against the same competition that you're playing if you're playing alabama if you play with alabama so that's you know if you're you got a you got a nick i'm sorry to cut you off sir no, um, go ahead. um you got a nick Saban guy a guy that, that's that's proven out there that he's ready and for, first of all nick Saban defenses are pretty much proven ready that you're going to be ready for the uh, the NFL the NFL and on the next level, and and the fact of it is when we got another thing is when we got rid of Asante, we got rid of an awful awful tackler. Yeah, well, I mean the cornerbacks are. Thank you for the call, Bill. I used to I used to make jokes about Asante. Like it used to be hilarious for me to watch Asante Samuel tackle. I love the thing I love best about watching Asante Samuel tackle is that. At the same time, he doesn't want to hit anybody, but st somehow he still managed to throw his head at everybody. Like, that was the most amazing thing to me about Asante Samuel is that he was the biggest, like, he was so dirty, like, he would always lead with his head, and he would always miss. <laughs> Um, he's certainly a very good player, and that's you know he's not a tackler. Um, that's not what he did. He intercepted the ball, and he was great at it. But I'm I'm certainly not. I'm not crying over not having them. Uh, that that's the only thing is I I just don't think I don't think they're they're severely weakened by not having him there. If, if Nami Asma had a horrible season last year, if he sucks, we're in trouble. Uh, but we're in trouble whether we have not whether we have Asante Samuel or not. If he sucks, Josh uh, checking in from DC. You're on uh, 94 WIP. Good evening, Spike. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? Great. Great to hear you on the radio again. Um, so here's an interesting situation with the Flyers. 
Um, they, they, I, I think, if, I, if I'm looking at the seating, the reseeding correctly, depending on who wins, they're in a unique position to have a fantastic travel schedule should they play Washington or, uh, and I think if they can play, because they can't play the Rangers, but no. I believe that they can still play the Devils um, should the Devils beat uh, Florida. Yeah, they can they can play the Devils if the Rangers and the Devils both win. The Flyers play the Devils, so that's, that's what great, happened. You know, that's a that's what uh, an hour, a buck twenty to get up there to yeah. uh, to the Prudential Center, and then down here to DC is another you know hour and a half, two hours. So they 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 are in such a unique position for a great travel schedule. Let's hope they don't play the Panthers because who wants them to go to Florida and back? Because I I mean. Well, they're, they're grown ups. I, look, Florida, they, would they beat? They beat Florida three out of four times this year. So right. I, th I think Florida and, and the Devils are the best two matchups anyway, as far as the Flyers go. The only thing I don't like about not playing the Rangers in the, the second round is that the last, and look, the, the Rangers haven't even gotten past Ottawa yet. But right, if, right. if the Rangers get past, the Rangers have not played very good hockey against Ottawa. The, the last thing you want is getting, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here but who wants I, I don't want the rangers to get on a roll you know like i would kind of rather get the rangers while while we're hot and they're not and maybe maybe smack them in the mouth in the beginning and get them nervous even though we haven't beaten them all year the last thing you want is the rangers to get hot but who knows i look they're lucky they by and large they're lucky they don't have to face the rangers in the second round and they, there are a couple of really good scenarios in there for them whether it's the devils or whether it's the uh or whether it's the panthers i think those are both pretty good even the caps is a good scenario for them i'll be completely honest with you i don't get to come home to philly that often so I kind of want them to play the cap so I can go to two. Ah, I hear you. That's cool. <laughs> cool enough. Thanks for the call, Josh. You got it, my man. Take it easy. Thanks, man. Uh, the hockey, there is nothing like every game in the Caps Bruins series was decided by one goal, and the seventh game goes to two overtimes. That's sick. I mean, even if you're not a huge hockey fan, there's nothing like NHL playoffs. I love NBA playoffs. I love football playoffs. But NHL playoffs, the tension is sick. Overtime hockey. Um... You know, the NFL draft is tomorrow. There is a man on next who is going to tell us who the best three Eagles draft picks of all time were and who the worst three draft picks of all time were. That is next. I'm Spike Eskin. Xfinity Voice Line is 888-729-9494. Sports Radio 94. WIP. Philly's Baseball. The 10, the 5. And he scores! Collins scores. Utley around third. He will score. He got us a three. Oh, yeah! This is the new Sports Radio 94 WIP. Saturday from noon to 2. How's this sound? Rhea Hughes, the bull. Greg Lazinski and Philly's Ball Girls at the ShopRite on Aramingo Avenue, on Aramingo Avenue, Saturday from noon to two. A Philly's pep rally. They will have Philly's tickets to give away. As I said, the Philly's Ball Girls there. Greg Lazinski, the Bull. Greg Lazinski and Rhea Hughes, Saturday from noon to two, ShopRite on Aramingo. Uh, we're just talking about the NFL draft. The Eagles have had some great picks, have had some horrible picks. We'll talk about all of them now. PhillySportsHistory.com's Johnny Good Times. Are you always having good times? Do you feel always, pressure? <laughs> Do you feel pressure to be having good times? Oh, no, there's no pressure. I no. mean, in fact, just when you called me to be on the show, you were just interrupting a good time. <laughs> um, I think, 
Uh, now, we were going to discuss three best and three worst. Is that what we're doing, or was it just three worst? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do both. I mean, the best ones we can kind of breeze through. Obviously, the you know, we're Philly fans, so we have a lot more fun talking about the bad ones. Yeah, that's what I was about to tell you. I was like, ah, three best. Who cares about good players? We all know about good players. It's the bad players that are a lot of fun. Um, why don't we breeze through the best ones first? Three best Eagles draft picks of all time. Okay, we'll go with, uh, you gotta go with Westbrook as one of them. Right. Um, yeah. You know, round three, 91st pick in the draft. And I don't need to tell anybody what Brian Westbrook did when he was an Eagle. I think when you uh, talk about great picks, it is that combination of, Westbrook is that excellent combination of being, um, a great player, one of the greatest Eagles ever, I would say one of the, um, but also a, you know, a surprise player. You know, they got him so low. It was that combination of both that made him so great. Well, yeah, so many people were scared off by his size. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he just, you know, it ended up, I think, almost working to his advantage because he was so good at hiding behind blockers and, and, and everything else. And, I mean, he was just such a, you know, he's a second lead rusher in team history. And, and, and more such giant shoulder pads. I think that made up for it, too. Um, yeah, you got to give him credit for those Herschel Walker shoulder pads. Yes. Number two. Number two, we got Clyde Simmons, Western Carolina, ninth round pick. Wow. And, and 76 sacks in eight years, 19 sacks in 1992. Part of one of the, part of probably one of the best defenses of I've, I've ever seen in my entire life in the NFL, Clyde Simmons was a part of. Wow, ninth round, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't even think they do a ninth round. Anymore. No, is it seventh or last round? I'll have to go and look, but um, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and number one. Number one, uh, Wilbert Montgomery, Abilene Christian, sixth round draft pick. Wow, that is yeah. crazy. Leading rusher in Eagles history out of the sixth round. And and we'll get to why I think there's irony. Well, maybe it's not irony. I, sometimes I forget what irony actually means. But it is uh, f- a funny coincidence that two of the three best uh, draft picks for the Eagles in history were running backs. And when we get to number one, I think there is ir- one number one of the worst ones. I think there is irony of there being three great running backs on the on the good list. Okay, third worst Eagles draft pick of all time. Okay, I think we got to go with Leroy Keys. And and, and it's tricky when you're when you're talking worst because there has to be a little bit of a qualifier here. I think a player not only has to be bad. I think it has to be a bad pick because they took him over people that were awesome. See, yeah, see, I thought Leroy Keys was going to be one. That's why I was giving that lead in. Now, okay. Now, don't worry, don't worry. We'll, we'll still get to number one with the running back. Okay, all right. Okay, so Leroy Keys, give give the lowdown. Okay, running back out of Purdue, and this was the 1969 draft, and this is the one where we kind of get the whole, you know, the snowball at Santa stuff. That was because everybody was in the race for O.J. Simpson, and the Eagles actually were winning that game. You know, and the, the the one where the the Santa Claus thing. I don't even want to talk about it because yeah. it's cliche. But like, but basically, the bottom line was the Eagles were so terrible for so long. All they had to do was keep losing, and of course, they pulled off two late season victories. So the Bills get OJ Simpson, and the Eagles get Leroy Keys. And Leroy Keys ended up with how many total rushing yards in his whole life? <laughs> that I don't know. You got me on that. Oh, one. I thought because they they moved him to safety. Oh, right, because they drafted him as a running back as and a safety. I think he only had like 300 total. I'll, I'll look it up right now. Um, but, yeah, they drafted him as he played both positions in college, right? Right, yeah, yeah. He was a two-way guy, and they kind of did that with the Eagles. But I think they drafted him because they wanted a running back. I think they just kind of had to move him to safety because he, he wasn't very good at running back. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to so. pull that up. Uh, 369 total yards as a running back in the NFL. Uh, and, th- and, and who did the Steelers take with the next pick? Who was it? 
Mean Joe Green. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, 121 rushes for 361 yards in 1969, an average of uh, three yards per carry. How many touchdowns? Yeah. Three touchdowns. That's not good. Number two worst ever. Kevin Allen, Indiana. Oh, yes. Ninth pick of the 1985 draft, played one season, busted for cocaine possession and sexual assault, gets a lifetime ban from the league. Now, not only was that, I mean, is that, that's not bad enough. And that's the guy I think Buddy Ryan said, uh, you know, he's really good at killing grass. That, that's, not only was he that bad, but on the board at the time was Jerry Rice. <laughs> That's what makes it, you know, when you think about Sixers picks, what makes it worse is, like, it's bad to pick a bad pick, but it's worse to know that you could have had Dirk or something. Like, that's what right. drives you crazy, is knowing that you could have had Mean Joe Green on, on, as an eagle and knowing that you could have had Jerry Rice as an eagle. And, right. and, and here's the thing that really drives you crazy, is the reason I'm assuming they didn't pick Rice, the best player, obviously, on the board, is because they had Kenny Jackson already. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another legendary awful eagle. All right, number one. Number one, you got. I, I got to go with Michael Haddix, running back, Mississippi State. <sighs> he has the least yards per carry of anybody with 500 carries in NFL history. Oh, is that true? Oh yeah, he averaged three. I think exactly three yards a carry. Wow. And well, by getting him, here's what they passed on. So okay. again, it's not just the fact that he stunk. It's who you could have had. Yeah. They, they passed on Bruce Matthews, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, and Daryl Green. <laughs> Four of the greatest players ever at their positions. See, it doesn't make you feel so bad that you passed on Jason Pierre-Paul when you heard, when you hear about those things. When you hear about the fact that we could have had Dan Marino, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Some of the ones that, in recent years that, you know, there have been some bad ones, but not this epically bad. You know, I mean, people say Sean Andrews, but that. No, Sean Andrews is a great player. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, he gave him a couple great years. Yeah. He, he, you know, he just ended up fizzling out pretty hard with it, with injuries. I mean, some of the guys, you know, like, like the Mike Mamula thing's overblown. I mean, Mike Mamula wasn't that bad. Like, well, he, he wasn't, yes. you know, he wasn't great, but it, he wasn't bad. There's it, been plenty of players that are worse than them that they've picked early. Yeah, it's, it was just a bad story. It's, the Mike Mamula story is bad. It's not that he was particularly bad. It's just, that, you know, the, everybody knows the combine story. So Right, well, it's a cliche. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had a good career, too. It's not like he was a bum at Boston College. The guy was a good player, you know, and the, the combine just made him move up a little bit in the draft. But really, Warren Sapp's the only guy picked after him that ended up mattering. He's Johnny Goodtimes. He runs phillysportshistory.com. You can check out the most underrated Philly sports figures of all time right now on the site. Thanks for checking in, brother. All right. Thanks, Mike. Let's hope we don't add to that worst list tomorrow. Talking Phil's next with Lee Russikoff. Sports Radio 94. Double.